Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. It shows you the subconscious has been working on it. You know, you're loading your subconscious, and that's one way to get things done is you think, you work on it, and you're loading. You take it as far as you can get it, you know, and I do painting, and this is saying... I've seen your work. It's beautiful. You get it as far as you can get. You have an idea, you know, if it's songwriting and any kind of creative type thing, you get it as far as you can get. And then, in fact, there's a beautiful thing in the third episode of the Peter Jackson thing on the Beatles. Uh, oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. I yeah. saw the... But the like three but, hour and a half things or something like that. But I think in the third one... I've got to see it. Yeah. You have George Harrison comes in. And, you know, he's a shy guy and he's kind of got a bad attitude towards the rest of them at, at this point in time, kind of anyway. But uh, finally comes in in a good mood one day and he's playing this something in the way she moves, you know, boom, 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 something in the way she moves. He's playing like that. And then he talks to Paul and uh, while they're doing other things, everybody's doing something different, everything. But he goes over to Paul and he goes, what would you say next to Paul? You know, Paul says, I don't I can't think of anything because his mind was on something else. He's playing a piano at the time. And then Lennon is over there on the guitar, strumming away. And he goes, John, what would you say? You know, something in the way she moves me. What comes after that? He said, I've been three months singing this over and over. I can't take it any further. What would something in the way she moved? What would that be? And here's what Lennon said, because he and McCartney were incredible songwriters. He said, just say whatever comes out of your mouth over and over and over. Sing it over and over and over and see what comes out of your mouth. So that's what he started doing. Just words, you know, to get, you know, a lot of times when I'm painting, it's just like get some paint on the, or a line on the canvas. You know what I'm saying? Put something on there and then we'll go from there, you know? But he said, just say whatever comes out of your mouth. And before you know it, it was like, moves me like none other, you know, like something the way, you know, she, and so all of the other lines came from that, just from singing it over and over and over and see what is subconscious burped to the surface. And so that's not a rare thing. That's like, I'll never forget the story of the guy who created or came up with the concept of the picture of DNA, you know, the hexagon type thing. It came to it. It was part of the research team. They worked on it for like 20 something years, but he's driving to the Pacific or the Big Sur Highway up to work one day. And halfway there, the picture just came in his mind. It's like, that's it. <laughs> wow. Right. Just like that. That's how things happen for a lot of people. Yeah. Because it's, you're right. The subconscious has been working on it for a long time. And it finally, like. And the answer there is don't give up because you're working on something that hadn't come yet. Because sometimes things, the world just has to move and ideas have to form, you know, before what you're after can even be conceived, you know. But then when it happens, it's like, boom, 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 boom. Okay, now we can move. And so you had this inside your head. So that was the technical side of it. When, Sounds like you've been working on this. How far along were you on this before you moved to Aspen? The whole ageless smile and the algorithm and everything. Yeah. I knew what I was doing was giving people a more youthful look and slowing and reversing the aging process. I knew that. And I just, you know, we're shy. Uh, dentists are shy to come out of our shell and say we've got something special and unique. And so I started right around that time was I just started thinking about 
how to do it. And it is only until recently, the last couple of years, that we've actually branded the Ageless Smile and created that because everybody told me that it was more important than my name be there. Andrew Turd, you know, oh, traditional great high-end dentists in New York City, would they didn't brand, they had their name. Yeah. And that's great. I get yeah. it from a trust standpoint, you know, put your name on it. But now we're more moving towards Age of Smile designed by Dr. Andrew Turchin. We're developed by, we're playing around with that. But right now, like, you know, this is our Ageless Smile and we love it. We love our little logo and it's wonderful. So we've just been over the last, it was when the course happened and I was going to teach my process that I decided I needed to create a mathematical formulas. And it worked. It worked amazingly. And then throughout, we needed a way to explain things more simply to patients. And to the simplify idea, I think you'd agree with this. If you can't put it on one page, it's too complex. Nobody else is going to understand it. Right. So I'm a one-page guy, right? So for instance... When did you learn that, by the way? Do you know who's in Aspen? Do you, have you met Steve Gorlin? Do you know him at all? Gorlin? Gorlin. He's a big biotech investor in... Uh, Finance year. I'll get you to introduce me. Yes, Stevie okay. Gorlin. He's great. Now, I may have met him, I, you know, because it's a small world. But it's a small world. As such, I don't, don't recall him. So Absolutely. Anyway. Gorlin Enterprises, he's done, brought so many biotech companies to market. He takes small, early stage biotech companies. And before you know it, they're billion dollar companies and things. Uh, he's on the finance side and raises the money and all of that stuff. But I remember once I, I wanted to talk to him about an idea, a friend and patient, and he said, Andrew, put on one page. I don't listen to anything that's not on one page. And it was a great lesson in life. And now I use it extensively. For instance, I explained to patients our process, I think, one page. These are the steps of our process. And it's clear. And what I think most people, I have dental buddies that are marketers that say, nobody cares about your process, Andrew. And I disagree. I think a lot of people... They put trust in a process. I know I want to know the process when you're going to, we just built a house. Right. Tell me the process. Yeah. If you say, I don't know, we're going to get it done eventually. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't want to hear that. That doesn't build right. confidence for me. I want to know the six steps of building my house. Demolition, this, is it. We have pretty much a six-step process in the Ageless Smile that gets everybody to a guaranteed result, the result that they want. And that's what I've created. Only through process can you know that you're going to get the, to the end correctly. And so I'm a huge believer in it. And if you can explain it succinctly, I think it's huge. It's a huge thing that people can be confident. And I think in the end, it's all about confidence and trust, right? Right. So where do you, you know, you're in Jersey, right? Is that where you came out of? You grew up? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I grew up in Connecticut first, uh, first half, yeah. and then, and then uh, New Jersey. Okay. When did you get the fever for Aspen? And how did that happen? Wow. It's kind of ironic because I thought the bug of coming out west and skiing came in dental school. I, my, one of my best buddies in dental school started dragging me out west to like couch surf in Boulder. Not couch surf, but he had a friend in Boulder and we'd go there. And then his friend moved to Jackson Hole. So by the end of dental school, we were in Jackson Hole. So we started coming out west. That's my first experience coming out west was in dental school in my 20s, really. And I fell in love with that kind of skiing. But if I look back, I was so into skiing, even though I wasn't that good. And I was just skiing yeah. Jersey and maybe some Pennsylvania mountains at the time. And actually maybe, you know, by high school, we were making it up to Vermont a little bit. But my bar mitzvah sign-in board is the real key because I was dressed in full ski garb and my bar mitzvah sign-in board. What? what? Yeah. And each 
table instead of being table one, two, three, they were Killington Mountain and this mountain and that mountain. Really? And there was, yeah, was, there was these paper mache mountains in, with the name of it on top. So it was a ski themed bar mitzvah. And I think that says that, you know, that it was a passion of mine. And I always say this, I actually say this in my lecture sometimes just to like lighten the mood a little bit. I'll throw in that picture of this because it's pretty funny at this 13 year old dress. Right. In full ski gear. By the way, it was summertime when we took the photo, right? It, may, it doesn't make any sense in the backyard. But shouldn't we listen to our inner 13-year-old once in a while? Just not all the time, but once yeah. in a while. And so moving to Aspen, I think, is was listening to my inner 13-year-old. I was in love with skiing. And shouldn't I just do it more? And I can think of all the people that helped me solidify that idea, like older dental mentors that I was skiing with that said, Andrew, you really love to ski. Why don't you go out west every month? And as a young dentist, I said, oh, I could never do that. I couldn't afford the time, the money, and everything else. And I remember my dear friend, Gary Roos, said to me, Andrew, I've never seen somebody this passionate. Like, my, the cab is waiting down there, and you're still trying to get runs in. You're supposed to be at the airport right now. And he, <laughs> and he said, you should just plan it, and you'll figure it out. Just book it. You'll figure out the money and the time. Don't worry, Andrew. And the irony is, like, I thought I didn't have enough time. I was not, you know, I was a new dentist starting right. my business. I had plenty of time. And I skied every month and that helped build the bug. I started, even in the summer, I started going down to South America to ski a little bit. Really? Yeah. Portillo Chile or down in- uh, Valle Nevado and, and Las Leñas. So those were my two. I know Portillo is supposed to be amazing, but I never made it there. And then I started coming out. And then I used to go to other mountains. Like I think Christmas time, I usually would head up to British Columbia and do some skiing. Yeah. And Whistler. I, Whistler area, yep. And it was great. But what the first time I came to Aspen, I never went anywhere else for the Christmas holiday again. And I was, you know, New York was great. People say, did you burn out of New York? No, I work just as hard here and, or harder. I just get to ski uh, twice a week now, yeah. which might not seem like a lot for locals, but it's a lot more than a New Yorker did. So, you know, I get my 50 days in a year and I'm a happy guy. Yeah. And it's a lot more than most locals who move there. You take it for granted. It's easy to fall in the pattern of taking it for granted and not getting out there. And uh, that's 50 days of spring. And so how old were your kids when you moved? My kids, I'll be honest, were not born yet. They weren't even a thought. My girlfriend moved out with me from New York. Ah. And then we got married here at the Jerome. So we're really Wonderful. built okay. everything together here. We built a practice together. I don't want to say she doesn't work in the practice, but she certainly helps with anything that's vision. She designed it. She designed the, yep, exactly. She's an interior designer. Yeah. And she also designs anything visual in my office. So whether it be, hey, you know, she's a visual person. So this, right, this is our sheet of our culture sheet of our practice, right? Okay. On yeah. one page, a one-pager explains to any everybody in the practice what we're about and what the expectations are to work with me because, you know, I'm very specific. I mean, I have expectations, and I think it's really important and helpful in life to be as clear as possible on our expectations. I think people actually thrive with being with clarity. Like, this is what I expect of you. This is how I expect it to get done. And not that they're like robots or anything, but it's better than just being annoyed at people for not doing it the way that's expected. Thrive with clarity. And how have you, uh, when did that occur to you? Whew. You know, probably just more in the last few years, I'd say. I'd say leadership is one of the most important things in life. And I, I wonder what I could have done with better leadership skills earlier. It wasn't one of my strong points. I mean, I led like somewhat naturally, but not, not enough with clarity. Because I think 
I was probably too lazy to put the work in to create the clarity in, you know, first it was just systems, but like culture is a system. Yeah. How we communicate with each other as a team is a system. How did that, when did that dawn on you? And it get, you know, cause now you're figuring out something that is obtuse and invisible. It's like trying to identify the spirit world or something. And so, yeah. you know, this is not, you know, you're putting your same approach of detail and unraveling into something, a totally different sphere. So where did the whole idea of having a culture and a mission statement and, and these type things occurred to you to think it's worth your time, let's just say. Whew, I think I've read about it for years. Yeah. Well, that it was worth my time is comes from breakdowns, right? When you have, you know, the whole team angry at each other, annoyed at each other because nobody has a you clarity. That happens in a dental office. Oh, oh, you know, it happens everywhere, doesn't it? But certainly when you have a team around, you know, we're always somewhere around seven to 10 people, right? Right. And that means I'm involved with every single person. There is no spoke of the wheel type of leadership where you're the center and there's spokes going out yep. leading other people. That doesn't happen. I'm the leader here. I want everybody to self-lead also. And that's what I'm able to do by giving them clarity. So I've always been, I'm an analytic person. I'm very good at outlines. I've always been good at outlining. I've always been. And so I use that here by looking at the big picture. You know, it, our job is just a pie chart of task. That's great. You know, know your task. And then we have checklists. And I've always been good at that. I have tons of checklists and things like that. That's been almost 15 years of checklisting every procedure in our office. But I never thought about, you're right, the culture. And then another third of that pie chart is attitude. Right? Yeah. Right? Because it doesn't matter if you do your job right if you're an asshole to everybody around you. Right. Right? Because that doesn't breed good culture and warmth. And, you know, people want to have, we need to want to come to work. Or a retention employees, but also in retention and client and customers. You know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even then, I, so I've, I've had this, this came from a coach of mine because I've had coaches. And my first coach more than 15 years ago, Kirk Barron, gave me this pie chart, your job task, attitude, and promote dentistry. We forget that they should be talking, you know, we're, we're not talking about selling dentistry or pushing anybody, but promoting and, and being able to talk to people about the benefits of, right, when asked. So that they have those skills to promote dentistry. And task, I figured out a long, long time ago, right? The checklist. Yeah. Promote dentistry even. I had an aha moment, I don't know, I'm guessing about eight years ago of, that everybody should be given the tools to promote dentistry. So in our practice, we have about five or six, I forget, promotions, we call them. But they're just facts about our practice that are special and unique. Uh-huh. And because they have those at the tip of their tongue, when somebody says, ah, oh, I'm here because my veneer came off and they always come off, they could say, oh, did you know that Dr. Turch has a 99.6% no deep bond or breakage rate? What? They have that exact answer because it's one of our six very unique things about our practice. So I gave him the tools. That was written up in one of these journals or something, uh, top journals in dentistry, wasn't it? Your, the, your, what was that that you were written up? Oh, Titans of Dentistry. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Dr. Turchin's temporary veneers are better than most dentist permanents. Yes, yes, yes. I'm very well known for my temporary veneers and uh, how we make them because they're so important. Some people think they're just temporary, but they're really the blueprint. The process I teach dentists on the technical side, I don't bring this up to patients, it's called the dual blueprint method. And we make the blueprint first on a model, we transfer it to the mouth and we fine tune it to your aesthetic, phonetics and everything else. 
and we're really close because of the algorithm, but we're talking a little microscopic things that, that make it right. And then we have a process that duplicates that. So temporaries aren't like the common thing you'll hear is don't worry about it. It's just a temporary. Don't worry about how it looks. You'll love the permanence. But how? How do we know we're going to? I always say yeah, a, right. a plastic surgeon, if they had the opportunity to try on a nose, they would take it really seriously. <laughs> right? Right. Right. And I have that opportunity with, with teeth. So we try it on. We put everything into it to make them look amazing. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.